0: Everyone, I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Art Rages. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Art wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay outrageous.
1: Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.
2: Welcome to the one hundred and twenty-fourth episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Coon. Coming to you live from my man cave in Millsboro, Delaware. This week we have Matt Dean, former play-by-play broadcaster for the Charleston Riverdogs and the Fayetteville Woodpeckers. He is now a content and promotion specialist and play-by-play broadcaster for Game Time Media in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. If you like this episode, make sure to go back and listen to the older ones. There's something back there for everyone. So many talented people uh, that work in minor league baseball back there. So go check out those older episodes. If you want a shout out, super easy. Just drop a rating and comment, um, preferably on Apple Podcasts. But um, across the board, it helps no matter what platform you're listening on. So please give us a rating. And if it's possible, give us a comment as well. Make sure to go follow the designated Twitter account for the show at Pulling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tarp Podcast. And that's where you can reach out about becoming a guest. I would love for people to slide into the DMs and ask if they can be a guest. That would be awesome. Um, and if there's any businesses that want to reach out to become sponsors, uh, that's where you can reach out as well. And if you really want to, you can follow me personally on Twitter at It's R.A. coon. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. There is merchandise. Uh, you can get Pulling Tart Podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art. You can find that on the Pulling Tart Podcast Twitter account on the tpublic.com link tree in the bio there. Um, so go check that out. And um, I just want to Sincerely apologize for there not being a new episode every week lately. Um, Life has been so busy um, with having a very pregnant wife and and getting ready for the baby coming and work and spending time with family and friends. Um, So, yeah, just... Very, very busy, so, um, and, um, you know, actually, uh, finding guests has been a little difficult as well. I know everybody likes to enjoy the holidays and their and their uh, time off, but, um, yeah, I would love for some people to slide into the DMs and um, want to become a guest here soon, so uh, go ahead and do that. With all that being said, let's chat with Matt Dean.
0: Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Art Rages. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Art wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay outrageous. Matt, welcome on to the show. Really appreciate
2: you coming on to the Pulling Tart Podcast and taking the time out of your evening. How was your Christmas, my man?
1: It was good, yeah. Um, I live in uh, the Midwest, so right now, Twin Cities and St. Paul, Minnesota specifically. Um, I'm from Wisconsin, so a lot of driving through some uh, what were supposed to be pretty adverse conditions. Didn't end up being that bad. Uh it was absolutely brutally cold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's supposed to it was negative temperatures for most of the weekend on Christmas. Um really cool scenery, driving like up north in northern Wisconsin. Um so it, cool. it looked very seeing. Uh, got there, got to and from safely. So all is well had a good Christmas. Thanks okay. for asking. How's yours?
2: It was it was good. Um I have an eight year old nephew. Uh, who's the only grandchild on both sides right now. So I watched him open every toy you could imagine. Nice. Um, and then, you know, had some good food, obviously. And uh, I got some good gifts, too. Um, but but yeah, um, I definitely don't miss living in the Midwest. That's for sure. Uh, those winners up there are brutal.
1: <laughs> we had, yeah, I have three nieces and nephews. And the oldest one is like, now so it you know there was actually it was the first time we had a fun age kid for opening christmas too so definitely feel feel that so that That, was fun
2: yeah that sounds fun uh so you're out of baseball right now uh but tell the listeners what you are up to i know we were talking about a little bit before we hit record
1: yeah so i uh i moved uh back closer to home which i've been kind of angling to do
2: okay
1: um my wife is a uh she's a doctor so she's in residency oh, wow. for um for psychiatry right now so um for people that don't know how that works it, you basically apply to a bunch of programs uh, some of them choose to interview you you rank all the programs that um that interviewed you and they rank all their candidates and there's this giant you know, matching day where everybody basically, outside of a couple of specialties, everybody in the country basically finds out all at once. Uh, one of our top choices, we we wanted to be close to home and be close to family, so one of our top choices was University of Minnesota. Okay. Um, I I actually started my baseball career here with the Saint Paul Saints yeah. when they were indie ball um, when they opened up the new ballpark in downtown Saint Paul in 2015. So I knew I lived here for a summer. Uh, and stayed with my uncle who lived in Minneapolis so I kind of knew a little bit about uh, the town and the cities here which I really liked Uh, so it was high on our list and uh, that's kind of the the random number generator uh, ranking system put us here so
2: uh,
1: so now I'm I'm I am fortunate where I I kind of just came here without a job or any connections and Got hooked up with a couple people, um, was doing some freelance broadcasting stuff and working a few odd jobs. Um, I kind of have like a steady full-time job where I, I basically help the guys start kind of a live stream broadcast business.
2: Right. Um,
1: I'm the second full-time employee. So we basically broadcast a bunch of high school sporting events for big schools, kind of in the in the, in the burbs mostly. All right. um, so we, uh, we do a lot of the behind-the-scenes setup. Stuff for to do live stream broadcasts, which got really popular during COVID.
2: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and and and,
1: and I do a lot of the broadcasts, and me and the guy I work for are broadcasters ourselves. So um, do that. Have a few other side broadcast gigs, but that's kind of my main job: running some social media and kind of helping um, that guy expand. What's uh, to this point been a pretty successful high school sports broadcast business so lots of hockey and hoops this time of year Um, high school football is obviously huge we do a whole menu of sports throughout the year but those are the big ones so a lot of hockey and basketball right now which is fun everybody knows minnesota is good for hockey and it's pretty underrated there's a lot of really good high school basketball uh men's and women's uh, that come out of the twin cities so that's fun
2: nice nice so that kind of goes into my next question. Uh, I know you're doing a lot of broadcasting different sports. In your opinion, what's the hardest sport to call?
1: I've always said uh, I'm I'm torn between two that I find are are on the opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, and one is hockey, uh, and then the other end of the spectrum is baseball. Where okay. one is so fast, there's so much happening. You know, players wearing helmets. It, sometimes it's hard to see numbers. You know, yeah. you have to like kind of really be on top of names and numbers, and just keeping track of of calling the live game action mm-hmm. uh, is is I think the hardest. And then, but I also think baseball has its own challenges, where that's kind of on the other end of the spectrum, where it's so slow and methodical, and sure. there's way more time to fill in between. So you kind of have to be a little bit improvisa- uh, improvisa- uh, improvisational, uh, and also Have to, in my opinion, like do a lot of prep work and know the teams and players and just random stuff that you kind of come prepared with when the game's a little slow to fill the time. So I think those, to me, are the two challenging
2: ones. I kind
1: of put like basketball like in the middle, where that's just the easiest. Yeah, it's action packed but slow enough where it's easy to track.
2: Yeah, minor league baseball is a little bit, um, quicker pace now because of the pitch clock. So a lot of broadcasters are saying like. Yeah, games are just like in and out and over with, you know, in two hours, two and a half hours now, and they don't have as much time for storytelling. Um, but I, I did a little bit of play by play and color commentating, not as, not nearly as much as you. Um, soccer was hard, especially when most of the play was in the middle of the field and no team had a lot of offense going. Um, that was that was a lot to fill in for as well.
1: I, yeah, I've become, uh, I've, I've had my ups and downs of be of like getting really into soccer, like in high school. Mm-hmm. And I spent the last couple of years, I've really gotten back into it, especially in the world cup now. Sure. Um, and so I just, I feel like I'm just familiar with the sport, but I, I do find that to be a little challenging. Cause I think, uh, some broadcasters who like don't know the sport as well, uh, you, you ha- it feels like you have all this time to fill, but then like knowing when something exciting is about to happen is like kind of at first hard. Right. Tell. like it it just looks like a chance comes out of nowhere and a guy scores a lot of times i kind of feel like that in hockey sometimes sure. too. yeah um where there's just a bunch of random exchange of the puck in the neutral zone and then all of a sudden you know bang like something happened so yeah like soccer the more you watch like you start to see like the build-up of when something exciting is going to happen and know when you got to kind of jump back in and lock into the game <laughs> but yeah I, I can see that it's it's challenging
2: yeah for sure um so you've worked for two teams that Bill Murray is a part owner of. Um, and everybody I've had on the show that that's worked for, you know, a team that that he's an owner of has like some of the funniest stories of just running into him like randomly, like in the stadium. What is your best Bill Murray story? It's
1: nothing that amazing, uh-huh. uh but you know he he is like a pretty funny guy he kind of mostly keeps to himself so i i never really like went up and tried to approach him but i did have a couple times right now uh, i think the first week i worked there um he showed up i guess there's two but the, now i'm thinking of another one like the, within the first week that i i worked there um there's this guy who worked for the river dogs uh philip geary who uh, a lot of people that probably listen to this podcast Will be familiar with him. He's a loud personality. Uh, I, he's got a really long hair, big, huge beard. I think he's
2: yeah. He's been a he's been a guest on the show
1: before. He should. Yeah. I was gonna say you should have him on here if not. And I have to go yeah. back and listen to that. He's podcast. a Jacksonville
2: guy, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's yep. from Jacksonville. Yeah. Right. He's been on the show. Yep.
1: Yep. Um, and in the first week that I worked there um, for the River Dogs in Charleston, um, Philip looks like. He mostly does And that just happened to be like I I don't know, I maybe met Bill Murray Like was in the same room as him like four or five times For like four years It wasn't that frequent It was like probably at the Christmas party He made an appearance once a year and then maybe once or twice. Like I besides like being in the same ballpark. Like I would right. actually like be in the same room or something. So very infrequently. But like first week I'm there, I'm just like, wow, this guy just shows up. Does he just show up every week? Like, is this just how to, it that wasn't how it was? <laughs> but within the first week uh of of working for the River Dogs, he shows up and he just kind of looks at Philip and who I think had been there about a, maybe a year uh to that point. I think he was there the season before me. And he just kind of looked at him and just was like, hey, I'll pay you. I forget how much it was. I, w- I want to say it was like 50 bucks. He's like, 50 bucks if you shave that beard off and cut your hair right now. <laughs> and Philip just no, like, he's like done. And um, <laughs> like they, I don't remember where they got the tools, but like by the end of the afternoon, like sh- he was shaved, beard wow. was shaved off completely, haircut <laughs> And it was really weird because, like, the first, you know, I mean, it probably took Philip like two months to grow the full beard back because it was yeah. that impressive. Wow. But for the first like two months at least that I knew him, he was just clean cut Phil, which it's so funny to look back on now. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, him showing up and just immediately paying <laughs> Philip like I think it was fifty bucks. You'd have to check with him <laughs> to cool. shave his beard off was was pretty funny. Uh, the crazy. other time was just like I said, he came to Christmas parties a lot, and uh, I remember like. Mike Veck is a real character um, that people in minor league baseball know about, you know, his dad's in the hall of fame for an owner. He's, you know, he did disco demolition night. That's his infamous okay. claim to fame, all of that. And he was a really, really funny guy. Um, actually, I've run into him since I moved back to the twin cities, oh, but um, nice guy, just like him and, and Bill Murray, like just riffing with each other. And at one point, Mike Veck had like a fake guitar that he was playing. And they were just making up songs on the spot and like just them going back and forth and riffing right. among the two of them were both really funny. I remember just being I don't remember any of the jokes or anything, but it was wildly entertaining at one uh, Christmas party one year.
2: OK, very, very funny. That's awesome.
1: At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear, but we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. You all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie and I'm John. This is True Crime
0: Cast. <laughs> Uh, what's the weirdest comment or
2: message you've received while running a team's social media accounts? I've I've been on the receiving end of some of those weird messages and comments and I'm always interested to hear what other people's are.
1: Yeah, I I was fortunate that I worked for a pretty big front office. I mean there was yeah. twenty probably pushing twenty five you know, close to 30 people by the time I left Charleston. And I ran, I did a lot of the social media stuff, but I was not the sole person running the account. I would, you know, post the lineup every day, post the game recaps, all the kind of like media relation stuff that, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I fortunately was able to shield myself from the weird DM messages that these team accounts receive okay. shield myself from weird comments. I mostly just put content out into the world and just, and shielded myself <laughs> from the replies that came back. Lucky so you. I, you sent a, f- a couple questions to me ahead of time, and that was the one where I was like, oh, "I gotta think about something for this." But okay. I don't, I don't really have anything good. I, I did a good job of just shielding myself from those responsibilities and the yeah. uh, the ensuing anger that being online inherently creates.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> consider yourself lucky on that one. <laughs> I didn't realize that you had worked with Philip before, um, but obviously, I, I heard the best story. I think that you have from working with him. Um but you oh, also that's
1: that's up there. there yeah. There's some other good stuff, but that's one of the best ones for
2: sure. You also worked with former guest Chris Commence, and he was one of like my first guests. He was top uh, yeah. uh, I think like uh, first 10, I think. Um, maybe maybe first 15. But uh what was it like working with Chris in Fayetteville?
1: Yeah, it's so funny because uh, I worked in Charleston for four years, um, took the job with the woodpeckers, um, really liked the opportunity to like work for, uh, a team that was just owned by the team, like by the Astros, right? Um, which was, I just thought going to be like an interesting, uh way to get my name out there change it up a little bit just do something different at that point Mm -hmm. Um, so i took that job and it was so and basically was their broadcaster for the lost 2020 year okay i lived in fayetteville for about two months when i moved up there it was going to be a a seasonal position just for the year uh i i quickly you know the season got shut down Uh, i was going into the office for probably a solid month month and a half and um I do remember Chris, but it's so weird to think about all the employees. Like, the Fayetteville front office was incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, I met with them a lot via a lot of Zoom calls. Sure. <laughs> I was there in person. They did keep me. Like, the Astros kept us all on for the entirety of the season. That's nice. uh, So I got to, like, do a podcast uh, and talk to a lot of former Woodpeckers players. Uh, I had members of the front office on the podcast before. Uh, and Now that I'm thinking about this, I don't think – chris i forgot to be on the podcast sadly yeah. uh but yeah great guy like we i uh he just the whole staff there were like really tight-knit um really good culture there yeah um where there wasn't like t- in all honesty there's not a ton to do in fayetteville <laughs> oh, it's okay. not like a, a real hot happen in town but they like kept a lot of employees there worked there for several years and just from being there for a month like guys like chris And the whole staff and the GM there, David Lane, is a great dude. Like, everybody just had, like, a very good, like, community and rapport. And Chris was really friendly, a great guy. So I definitely understood why uh, people stuck around, even though Fayetteville wasn't necessarily the most happening place. Great ballpark. Yeah. uh, Great baseball town.
2: Okay. And um,
1: I really liked the front office, so. Uh, the right. good memories of Chris. We maybe we didn't work together long enough for me to have anything bad sure. to say about him. But <laughs> it would it would have came out after we like had to you know pull tarp for the seventh day in a row and all of that.
2: I think he's now with uh, Sugarland. The the what are they the Space Cowboys down there now?
1: Oh, they're still the Skeeters in my mind. Okay, so I've, I've I've been too I've been too far removed for like two years yeah. from like baseball to track all the name changes. But. Yeah. Uh, I still remember the, the, the indie Ball Skeeters, right? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> of course. Me, too. And so I'm a big food guy, so I'm always interested. You've obviously traveled to a lot more ballparks than I have. What has been the best concessions item you've tried?
1: In minor league baseball, uh, easily. the at, at McCormick Field in Asheville. The Buffalo Chicken Philly Cheese Steak uh, was incredible. Uh, th- this was such a hallowed food item. Um, one of my good broadcasting friends, who we we both got jobs in in the South Atlantic League the same year, um, Kevin Fitzgerald of the Columbia Fireflies. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we, I mean, Asheville, like for me living in Charleston, that being the home ballpark, uh, that was arguably the best city in the league to go to yeah uh so for me the best road trip since i already was in charleston was easily asheville uh for a multitude of reasons like great uh outdoors like mountain scenery i am yeah. a think like camping outdoors guys so just being out with the mountains is awesome the beer scene's incredible of lots of great food uh and the ballpark food though that was easily the best food item uh me and kevin fitzgerald loved so much when each of us was in Asheville and the other team was on the road we'd like send pictures to each other <laughs> to like make like basically like give each other FOMO yeah that we were missing out or you know one of us would be in like a, a terrible town that we hated uh, yeah. I, wrote, I won't name that it wasn't delmarva um, <laughs> there, were, there were far worse places than delmarva in the south atlantic league uh, but oh no, sure. i'll slander hagerstown on record <laughs> like one of us would, one of us would be in hagerstown and, and it would just be like I'm i'm in hagerstown and then, and then so you get a text from yep. the other guy eating a, a like his third uh buffalo fiddly cheesesteak of the oh. weekend and you just shake your fist in anger
2: <laughs> that Buffalo chicken cheesesteak sounds incredible. I'm so hungry right now. That sounds, mm, that's man. Uh, but yeah, you can slander Hagerstown all you want because they don't <laughs> exist anymore. So, Oh, well, um, out of all the games you've broadcasted, this might be a tough question, but out of all the games you've broadcasted, what has been your most memorable call?
1: Oh, okay. Um, I don't know, I don't know about the calls
2: um or the I, the best game I, maybe. I, there
1: there were like I I do have like memories of and, and there there were so many crazy things that happened in like the first month uh that I worked for the River Dogs in 2016 and uh and I, so probably it was like some of the worst calls of my entire career because it was <laughs> just like month 1 year 1 when I was like you know 21 or 22 years old whatever uh, but there was a lot of very memorable games like within the first month of the season uh we had they had four games to open the year uh which was the first four games in the columbia fireflies existence they okay. were in charleston yep. and the river dogs walked off on them in three out of the four games Ooh, wow. um including one that was like a walk, a weird just like very minor leaguey single a like walk off stolen base where it was like <laughs> not a straight steal of home but like a multitude of errors that led to a guy eventually stealing home (laughs) uh, and two runs scoring and just a wild walk off. Um, So that was very memorable. There was a five strikeout inning um, within the first month of the season. Okay. Um, There was a game in Augusta, the old Augusta ballpark where I think the river dogs recorded like the last one team recorded like 12 consecutive outs via the strikeout. Uh, so there, there was a few walks and hits in between, but like just, there were 12 outs recorded that were all strikeouts to end the game. Um, it, so those, I think those were the most ridiculous things that happened in the first month of the season, but all that like contained within April. Um, and the river dogs had like a a ridiculous record of a a bunch of lucky wins that they probably didn't deserve (laughs) and kind of fell down to earth later, but it was a very exciting, uh, first month of the season. So that always sticks out. Cause it was just like, wait, right. is this? it was like when Bill Murray shows up week one, you're like, Oh, is this going to happen all the time? Right. You're like, Oh, three walk-offs in four games. Is this going to happen all the time? And then you, you get into the monotony and it oh, clearly yeah. is not like that all the time, but it was a fun start.
2: Yeah. That does sound fun, man. Um, I, so I was always like the media relations, social media, graphics design, you know, marketing person. Um, so I'm always interested about the best promotions as well. And you've been to a ton of games and ballparks and in your travels. What's been the best promotion that you've seen?
1: There, there were so many good ones. Uh, and the ones that stick out in my mind were always, I mean, the River Dogs were known for being pretty elite in promotions so
2: yeah of course there were a lot
1: of really fun ones i'm sure philip uh told told you about some of the awesome ones that the river dogs did um like legalized marinara night is one of my favorites oh because
2: it's one of my favorites was just, too
1: just one of the stupidest ideas where it truly was just like a bunch of people in a meeting sitting around in like the clubhouse in the off season and <laughs> one person just saying some dumb idea it was like one of our sales guys ryan kill who was just did you know this would fly off and he didn't care what anyone thought about him, which was great? That's great, yeah. in those kind of meetings. And we were all just like, What if we did like legalize it at night? What if it was like legalize Marinara <laughs> <laughs> and we did it on 420? And, and we were all like, That's stupid. Then we sat there, and we're like, Wait, is that actually secretly a brilliant idea though? Um, for so, for know,
2: April 20th, it definitely is.
1: Yeah so so you know that you we handed out some limited quantity of of oregano bags at the gate uh you know we had our interns dressed up as fake protesters with like you know wooden picket signs (laughs) out by the gate that said like legalize it (laughs) um we we bathed an intern who was wearing like a rasta cap and was just chilling in a lawn chair in a kiddie pool that was filled with marinara sauce (laughs) um and uh one of our sales guys had a uh, a German Shepherd. I think he had like multiple puppies at one point, but he brought his like pet dog, a Germ- big old German Shepherd, and he was like an ex military guy, and he just would wear these aviators and like stand around, and he looked intimidating. And then he had a he had a German Shepherd dog, and he said a guy literally walked into the gate, saw him and just turned around and bolted. Wow. Uh, on, <laughs> on legalized Mariner yeah. night as well. So oh. super funny, like just dumb joke. That was my favorite. Um, I, I think that was my favorite one that we oh. did in Charleston
2: for sure. I had only heard about it and obviously I read the press release and all that kind of stuff and I was like, oh man, that that is a great idea. I None of the ownership groups that I work for would have allowed it, but to me, it's a genius idea. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we. I think we we might have. Re- oh, I was thinking we. Uh, I was gonna say I thought we reprised it, but I think we we brought back like Cinco de Mayo night. I think was a was it twice was a, we happened back to back years, but I think we okay. realized Marinara night just happened once.
2: Okay. So
1: it should be revived at some point
2: in the future. I agree, but I don't think that'll happen because of. I guess I've had guests on the show saying that they have to get their promotional schedule okayed by MLB now. So Uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think those great, uh, promotions will ever happen again. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, yeah. And I, so obviously you traveled with the team, um, for a number of years in minor league baseball as a broadcaster. Um, I know there's a lot of stories that you can't tell from traveling with the team. Um, but what is the best story that you can tell from traveling with the team?
1: Yeah, I, I remember one year, um, the, the the Yankees at one point uh, started uh, busing the team on on longer road trips. They would give us two buses so players could like spread out okay. more and theoretically like be more rested. They had more room to themselves. You didn't have to like double up two guys to a seat. Yeah, uh, it, it was great. Um, and so we were going, I think it was a long one, like annual trip to Lakewood, New Jersey, which was like a 13 hour bus ride yeah, from Charleston. That's rough. Um, you, you get like an off day on the back end of it. Um, so you, you basically just spend an entire day driving up there and some guys, uh, at, at one point sort of incognito, not so incognito, like went into a store and just came out with a bunch of beer and and liquor. And like, they already might've been like pretty drunk at this point. I think I was on that bus where it was just seemed like it was getting pretty loud in the back of the bus. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And just the, for some reason, like not thinking of it, most of like the on-field staff just happened to end up in the other bus. And it was like me and the trainer and the strength guy and like maybe like the one of the video guys. And just these players were just like going nuts and we stopped for like a break and and one of the coaches, I think the manager like saw him coming out with a more beer and just like looked at him and was just pissed. So he walked in and he cleared the entire bus out and he had the entire team cram into one bus and he said, "You guys are riding all in one the rest of the way, wow. and everyone's going to be quiet." And so, then, <laughs> so then, me and the trainer and the strength guy just we just had a whole bus to ourselves.
2: That sounds uh, so. Nice. that's like
1: a disciplinary thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day, you know, we had the day off. I think we were like driving the night leading into an off day so everybody was able to like rest and recover but like you know i saw like one of the backup catchers and he was like walking around i was like hey how you feeling this morning he's like i'm so sore (laughs) it was just like you know six six catcher that got like (sighs) packed in like a sardine because everybody got jammed into one bus Uh, um that was just the the manager reacting to it too and just like, a disappointed parent. I don't think he even yelled at anyone. He just, like, <laughs> had them all just crammed in, and he was like, well, you guys do this, you guys ride like this the rest of the way.
2: <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. Man. Um, and then, It was great for me. Oh, yeah. For, for you, it sounds great. For them, it sounds awful. Like, the whole bathroom situation sounds terrible in that, in oh, yeah. that instance as yeah, well. A terrible idea. Yeah. Shoot. Sure. Uh this is the pulling tarp podcast, and I know a lot of broadcasters don't have to do tarp. Um but Oh
1: I, know, I had I pulled TARP. There yeah. was a certain point where it was, you know, eh, it's like an hour before the game, I'm not coming down there. Yeah. But Right. <laughs> right. I was involved.
2: Yeah. yeah, okay. That makes sense. Uh do you have any wild or crazy TARP stories?
1: It just we I mean, we had somebody on staff who you know, we have, the, everything's on video, who got just, like, trip, Mo, Morgan Howell, one of our salespeople, our, uh, our box office manager, just, like, tripped and got sucked under the tarp, and we had it on video and just, like, played it on a loop constantly, nice. just uh, just a tormentor, which was <laughs> hilarious. I... I seem to remember the year I was an intern in St. Paul. Um, I don't. I don't think I witnessed this. I don't know if I was necessarily in the building. Like sometimes I would be at the radio station, like operating right. the board during games. But there was also like I remember a video of like Scott Bush, uh, who was who was the AGM, like just going like ten feet airborne, just wow. getting like picked up by the wind and oh, just getting whiplashed. Uh, so I don't. I don't think I witnessed that in person. But like I saw like. At least on video, if I wasn't there in person, like a man go like ten feet in the air, Jeez. just getting like whiplash by a tarp. Oh, um, that's so that, that's pretty crazy. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's the worst. Uh, where can the listeners find you on social media, Matt?
1: Mostly, I'm a, a Twitter person. Yeah, um, I'm at Matt Dean Guy. So my name Matt Dean, and then G U Y at the end of
2: it. Okay, and then you're also on LinkedIn um, for anybody that wants to connect on there. Um I couldn't find you on Instagram. So, I don't it's No Insta. Me. Okay. Yeah,
1: not an Instagram guy. All
2: right. All right. I respect that. I'm not a TikTok person or a Facebook person <laughs> anymore. So, I
1: I still have a Facebook, but mostly cuz I use it to manage accounts for work. Otherwise, I don't I don't know that I would even log in anymore.
2: I but. have a fake Facebook to do just <laughs> to do just that. So, um And I know you've listened to a couple episodes, and this has been a constant for all 125 episodes. Last question, what has been the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard in your baseball career, and whose was it?
1: Yeah, uh, easily. Uh, And I'd be surprised. Well, Philip talks for a long time, so he probably didn't necessarily get to this when he was on. But easily, uh, Hoy Park. Uh, who played for the River Dogs came up with the Yankees uh he just got traded this off season he was okay. with he de- he debuted with the Pirates last year i think he was a red sock on paper uh but i i don't actually know who who holds his his contract rights right now but okay hoy park um n- noted noted south korean million dollar teenage signee at one point yep um, he was he was kind of a big prospect and he's a he's a major leaguer. Yeah. But uh he he became I, I mentioned those those three walk-offs in four days, the first year I worked for Charleston. He was involved with that crazy ended up being a double steal, I think. Okay. Where he came home. Um but wow. opening night in 2016 in Charleston. Um his walk-up song, which which the story is it was like established the year before. Um, it's this song called ode to oi like o o I oi okay. and it's like a basically a remix it's it's by this like dj called tjr and it it sounds like they basically just remix like when they when they're chanting oi in uh in tnt by acdc and yeah it's like oi Oh, and there's like the the chanting in the background. Yeah, like that is like heavily featured in the song. Okay, and it's basically this big like club beat jam. And there's this huge bass drop, and he he had the walk up song, you know, start as the bass is dropping. And opening night is a thirsty Thursday, or there's dollar beers and all that jazz. And yes. it's just like a giant club scene, like up in like the third base side in Charleston. It's it thirsty right. Thursdays are just wild there. Yeah, like absolutely out of control.
2: Sounds like the and, place uh, to be.
1: Yeah, it's a big deal. So like when he comes up to bat for the first time and he's introduced and that like song just comes on, it wasn't like planned, there wasn't like a prompt. The song sounds like they're saying hoy because they announce it as right. like, Hoy Park. And so everybody just in unison just started chanting hoy. Ooh, like <laughs> As he came up to bat And like just went nuts And he played for the whole year in Charleston And like the start of the next season He was like a fan favorite Because this song just like sent people Into like a complete pandemonium on, <laughs> And on Thirsty Thursday It just happened naturally nice. And we tried to like come up with other songs That we would get people to chant When guys came up to bat And like you can't force it Like it just right. happened organically And this was just like the perfect fit the player picked it because it was like a song he had in a playlist, and some of his friends the year before in Rookie Ball were like, "Oh, you should put this as your walk up song. It sounds like they're saying saying Yeah. And he thought that was funny, and <laughs> I think still to this day he uses it in the majors. He, wow. better, um, he better if he comes to to Minneapolis next year. I want to go and tell him to switch to it. Yes. But, um, I, he better still be using that as a walk up song. It's the greatest thing I've ever heard.
2: That's that is so awesome. Wow. What what a story. <laughs> oh man thank you so much matt for taking the time to come on to the pulling tarp podcast uh really appreciate it and uh boy uh when this comes out it won't quite be the new year yet i don't think um but i hope you have a great happy new year and um yeah just uh let's keep in touch man
1: yeah we'll do happy new year to you as well thanks for having me
2: thank you appreciate it
1: You've listened to the Pulling Tart Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.
0: Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Art Rages. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Outrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Outrageous.
1: At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear, but we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. You all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie and I'm John. This is True
0: Crime Cast.